You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Ryan, and today I am super excited to be talking with Eduardo Carvalho on starting and accelerating a digital transformation initiative. Eduardo. Good to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Ryan. Good to be on the show. So my name is Eduardo de Carvalho. I've been working with uh, large and smaller transformation in companies in all industries for the last 15 years. And currently, I'm a client partner at ThoughtWorks, a Chicago-based company who is operating in almost 20 countries now. And it's a public traded company at New York Stock Exchange with more than 10,000 employees. So happy to join you for this discussion. Wonderful, Eduardo. Thanks for the introduction. So let's jump right in. There's been a lot of discussion since we talked a week or so ago about digital transformation and that it means different things to different people. Can you tell us how you look at what digital transformation actually is and if there's a a single definition? Yeah, I don't think at at this point in time, Ryan, there is a single definition for digital transformation. It can kind of mean anything to different companies, but one definition I really like is how your company if it's a small or large company, old or new, will thrive in this era of the internet of things, the metaverse, social media, this era where everyone is connected all the time and that your business has to reach your customers through different channels in different moments and it has to stay relevant for a longer time. You cannot just sell your things at your shop. You need to stay in contact with your customers all the time. And this brings a lot of challenges related to digital technologies. So that's why companies need to start their digital transformation. That's great. Can you share a little bit about some of the channels that you're using there at ThoughtWorks? Yeah. One thing that we always try to see in a new perspective about digital transformation is more than a digital transformation. We like to see it as a digital evolution that will, and if a company wants to stay relevant, should never stop. At ThoughtWorks, we have a concept called modern digital business, which are, in our perspective, companies that thrive and innovate in their their digital world. So in a few words, a modern digital businesses and companies are, one, a company that understands their customers better than the competition. Two, a company that is able to move and experiment faster with new products and new revenue streams and new forms of doing business. And three, they understand that technology is not an enabler or a supporter of their business, but it's actually their business itself. And this is one of the most important topics in, in my perspective, is that these companies, these modern digital business, they see technology as their core business together with what they do. And even if that's, a, you know, they provide financial services or gaming platforms or streaming services, they see technology not as an enabler, but as a, a core of the business itself. Eduardo, that's great. I, th- I think it's key that our listeners understand what you said about it being an evolution, right? There's no finish line. So digital transformation is just continuing on and on, and you're needing to stay one step ahead of your competition, learning at every step of the way. So that actually kind of leads us into the question of what are the differences in what digital transformation might mean to, say, a small company in one industry 
or maybe a large company in another industry. So what are some of the differences across industries and, and sizes of companies? Uh, Ryan, that's, that's a pretty cool question. I think it's, it's very different for different kinds of companies. It's not that much different how you tackle between industries. And I'll try to explain myself. In large organizations, from our perspective, the key challenges will be how to actually start this process with everyone buying into it. It's likely that as of today, major organizations these days are publicizing how they are transforming and digitizing their business. But from our experience, most of the time, they are just trying to maintain the same power and political structures internally while showing off some more agile and lean management practices, but not an actual transformation or evolution. So for large organizations, what we recommend would, would be to start small with what we would call a thin slice approach. That approach is best used vertically as of business and technology trying to transform or create only one unique thing in a more digital, agile, or lean way. And when that is successful, because it probably will be, you start a second slice, then a third, and soon the whole company will see results and will be involved in the evolution, buying into it. It's very hard to just say, let's transform an entire a large company. It's, it's too large. There are too many political structures going on. And for smaller companies, this challenge usually does not exist because the power structures are very small and concentrated between the founders and the CEOs and the CEO. And they will be easier to start, but the problem is that they can get very confused with what the company is actually doing. Since it's a smaller company, there shouldn't be need of transformation, but there should be need of evolution. So for a 15-person company, they need to start thinking about how they will scale to 50, then to 100, then to 200, 500, or 1,000, and that will create different challenges for them. And what we recommend there is that the leadership keeps on focusing on what is the next thing to solve and then create a thing slice from there, trying to tackle one problem from the customer perspective to the operations perspective to the technology perspective on a thing slice vertically. Eduardo, that's great. So along those lines, you know, we talked about the difference between digital transformation in small companies and in large companies. Most of our listeners are either selling to enterprise or aspiring to sell to enterprise, right? These organizations are large, they're siloed, they're matrixed reporting structures. How do you go about identifying the right people with the right mindset to take ownership of these initiatives? Cool. Cool question, Ryan. And uh, I've been there <laughs> a few times trying to propose a, a evolution, digital transformation to companies, and it's, it's hard. These are large companies that have their own ways of working. And one of the first things we would recommend when trying to help large companies to become a modern digital business is for them, together with us, the partner, to analyze their current digital fluency. And what is digital fluency? Digital fluency is how they are currently operating in several specific aspects of their business. And then together with them, try to come up with their desired or aspired digital fluency. That is to say, how much digital transformation or evolution do they actually need to stay relevant and competitive in the modern world in their business, in their industry? So trying to detail that a little bit more to you, your aspired digital influence would be your North Star. And just like any other language, you could aspire to be fluent. If you need to leave, let's say, if you want to live in China, work in China, you're probably going to have to be more fluent in Mandarin 
or traditional Chinese. But if you're only going to be in China for two days, you probably can survive with less fluent Chinese and Mandarin on your side. So you can just know thank you and, and please and excuse and that will be okay. So if a company understands how much digital fluence they need to, to have, it's easier for them to start doing what they need first. Probably they will need to, to start small, as we suggested. But even to start small, there is a challenge. How would they be organized? So in large matrix organizations, would probably start by reorganizing the organization itself, doing what we call a organizational design assessment to make sure that this organization is lean fast enough to be able and capable of transforming itself. We'll come up around this topic later. When trying to reorganize that large organization, and help them to move faster, we identify people that are going to be leaders of this process. And we'll talk about those people later. Yeah, so so that's a great point. So you talked about a certain level of digital fluency, and it reminds me back in the 80s, for those of us that remember the 80s, there was a, a popular book from Stephen Covey, right? The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And it talked a lot about beginning with the end in mind. So, you know, you, you kind of speak to that in terms of, you know, you need to know where you are today. You need to know ultimately where you want to go and then kind of work, almost create a work back plan, right? So we talked earlier before the podcast about, you know, the types of leaders that are a good fit for these types of initiatives. And truth be told, the types of leaders that maybe not are a great fit, right? From the standpoint of, you know, we're looking for leaders, and, and I'll let you speak to this, but we talked a lot about being bold and courageous and, and not accepting of the status quo. But talk to me a little bit about some of the leaders that you've worked with and, and what some of their attributes are that, that have found success. Yeah, Ryan, this, this is an, an amazing part, probably the most important part of the whole evolution and, and transformation. And this is the part that where the transformation, from my perspective, actually stands. Transformation is hard for people, right? People don't want to change, especially people in positions of power, in positions of, you know, I'm okay here. <laughs> I have a, a large organization. I'm, I'm profitable. I'm doing great. But the future will not be so great if this company continues as it is. So when talking to those leaders, we're probably going to be seeing that majority of them will be trying to maintain this, their status quo. Even though they're, they're talking about digital transformation and evolution, digitizing their business a little bit, trying to expand to new markets and so forth, modernizing their, their systems, they're trying to maintain their current customer base, their current power structures internally. So it's hard, but there will be times where we will be meeting leaders that are, as you said, courageous and bold and that they really want you know rip this thing apart and create a new company, or at least create a new department, a new vertical, a new revenue stream. There are lots of examples in the industry of you know leaders that created a new part of a new company or a new product or a new stream that are now larger than the <laughs> the old company overall. I was just seeing this this figure yesterday that airports, which are just a product that Apple came up in a, a few years ago. Only the AirPods, they can make $21 billion in revenue a year or something. So they are larger than like Twitter and Uber and uh, some uh, companies that we are used to see as large companies combined in revenue. Just one product. Okay. And it, this was a product that wasn't at all <laughs> five or, or six years ago. So being able to find people who want to break something, to create something new with something better, it's important. 
and some of the traits that those people have that we can try to look for when talking to clients and partners is the two that you already mentioned. They are bold and they are courageous. They are okay sticking their neck to create something new. So they are okay breaking something <laughs> a little bit to create something better in the future. And most importantly, they know that in the current world, you cannot work alone. So you have to trust your partners, your technology partners, your operations partners, your logistic partners, your talent partners to creating something new and amazing together. So I don't think anyone or any company can do anything new and at the edge of technology or at the product, digital product space today alone. Trying to find those people in large organizations is hard, but when you find, there will be a clear path to success partnering with these leaders to come up with a digital transformation at first that will become a digital evolution that should never stop. Eduardo, that's awesome. So we talked before and, and I, it was almost formulaic when you, when you laid out for me the things that you look for with a digital transformation. It was almost like a formula, right? You said, you know, one, we have to identify companies where the status quo is, is untenable, right? It's just not acceptable and things need to change. That alone is not enough, right? So then you need bold leaders, bold and courageous leaders that are willing to, and I think you said, break it or, or stick your neck out. Yeah. And then three, we can minimize risk. We can kind of de-risk that for them by starting small, helping them find wins and success and build a business case. Does that still hold true? Exactly. You summarized it perfectly, Ryan. There are large companies that they just don't want it to change a lot. So you can have the best approach, the best way of transforming this business. You can have a clear vision of how their business will find problems in the near future and then that you can help them. But if they don't want to change, if their business is at least going well for the time being, there won't be any change, at least not substantial change. And then they want to change. We need to, as you said, find and identify those people that really want to you know, change and break things and trust their partners to, to start creating something new. And at last, even if there is need of change, if there are people who want to change and who wants to partner with you, you have to, as you said, perfectly minimize the risk because these are large companies you know, with many stakeholders. Sometimes their products and, and their business are important to societies and to countries, to regions, to sometimes to the whole global economy. If there are banks or if there are logistical companies and any other global business. So have to understand the risks and do it in a way is small enough that you won't break the whole company, but big enough. And fast enough that you can show some progress and there is a better way to do this business in a short space of time. So to summarize, as you say, somewhere where the status quo has to change, somewhere where there are at least a few leaders who wanted to partner with you and trust you that we can change this business together. And third, try to find things like or a small part of the business where we can try and experiment, improve everything that we want to prove in the whole business, but starting small. So if we break it, <laughs> we'll be able to fix it in, in a short period of time. Yeah, Eduardo, thank you for that. So so I will tell you in listening, in listening to you kind of lay that out, I think almost every company would tell you that the status quo is, is untenable, right? I think we're the rubber and, and every company is going to want to start small and, and build the case, right? I think those two are I don't want to say they're givens, but but they make sense. I think the third is perhaps the most important, and that's finding the right leaders to take on this initiative. Who's willing 
to stick their neck out and really jump in with both feet. Wonderful. Well, listen, in closing, I'm going to ask you the same thing we ask all of our other guests, right? It's been a pleasure to have you. I'm going to ask you if there's any certain resource, like what are you reading now in terms of a book or a blog, any certain resources that, that we should be thinking about? Yeah, I would like to, to share with you a resource we recommend to our clients and to our partners, which is a publication from ThoughtWorks called Looking Glass, where we discuss the business impact of hundreds of technology trends through several lenses, and it's likely that one of those is of interest to, to everyone that is listening to this podcast and to every company out there. So we're talking about AI, machine learning, cloud computing. We're even talking about how to make your business and partnerships greener and more responsible towards important facts of your business in the society, such as your technology cloud carbon footprint and the ethics we use to build our artificial intelligence models as a few examples. So we're talking about lots of stuff there, and they're probably going to be of interest to you and to all of your audience. Wonderful. And how would our listeners get to Looking Glass? You can go to ThoughtWorks website and just search for Looking Glass in our site. But I think we can just leave a link here for your listeners to, to just go ahead directly to the report. It's a free report. There's lots of information there. And people can just drop me a note if they're curious or want to talk about any of those topics. Beautiful. So you jumped ahead to my next question, actually. And that is, what's the best way for people to contact you? I imagine you're on LinkedIn. Or how would you like our listeners to reach out if they're interested in talking to you? Yeah, probably the best way is just to add me or follow me on LinkedIn. I usually write a few blog posts here and there. I just recently moved to Spain from Brazil, so it's been a few weeks, <laughs> difficult weeks for me, busy, no, no posting yet, but I'll be back in January, hopefully. Yeah, just drop me a note on LinkedIn and we can have a quick chat. Wonderful. Thank you. And the last question I have is, uh, obviously, it's been great having you. You, no doubt, follow other leaders in the space around digital transformation and, and forward-leaning people. Who else should we have on the podcast? Who else should we have as a guest that, that would be great for our listeners to hear? Cool. That's, that's a cool question. And I would have two names to recommend to you. First, it would be Shiran Narayan, who is a former colleague of ours at Dotrix and who talks a lot about how companies can thrive in this digital world. You can find his publications on LinkedIn, and he's great. He's also one of the first persons in technology space to come up with the idea of build organizations driven by products, not projects. And it's completely, you know, new topic that we could talk later, but I love this. And you're probably going to find Shuren and a blast to, to hear and to listen. That's great. I would also like to recommend Cristiano de Moraes, who is a master of business development. And he shares a lot of his wisdom with his audience as well on LinkedIn. So follow Cristiano. He's one of the best business development leaders in North America and South America. Eduardo, thank you so much. I really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Ryan. It was a blast. Thank you, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 